Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Healy and Bailey Notebook. It's been a hot minute, Mitchell, but I can say we're back and better than ever. Um, just to kick things off, how was your trip to Florida? The Florida? Uh, it was good, man. Thank you for asking. It's good to be back here. I feel like we haven't recorded uh, since 1985. but uh, Rough estimate. Yeah, I think it was around <laughs> that time last. Uh, we had Mateo on. But, yo, the, the, the trip was good. So, yeah, for... Disclaimer, for those who didn't know, I, I went down to uh, to Fort Lauderdale for a few days last week, and I, I caught the MLS season opener. I saw Inter-Miami play, and uh, obviously I was I was blessed to be in the presence of Lionel Messi. If uh, people could see right now, I actually am wearing the Miami jersey, but it's actually the first time I've worn it since uh, since I came back, so it's not like I have been wearing the, the jersey every day. But um, yeah, it was nice, man. I mean, it's always... It's always something that you appreciate to be able to get out of the the winter for a few days, and mm. it was it was so fast. It felt like a a tease. I was like, I got there and I I teleported back. It's a, it's unbelievable, you know. Time like uh, flight travel it's to be able to hop on a on a plane and then four and a half hours later I'm in Florida. That that direct flight from Halifax to Florida, it's a it's a game changer. So how does your Cape Breton temperament deal with the heat? Like as a as as you know, uh, having Newfoundland parents and and having spent a long time in Atlantic Canada, uh, it can be it can be difficult <clears throat> to yeah. to put it the least readily as I can uh, as I can. Uh, what about yourself? You know, I saw you were running around biking and walking and running and all that good stuff. How uh, how 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 was the heat? Yeah, well, you know, um, full blown sunburn by the end of the first day. Yeah, yeah, uh, complete utter. You know, I'm actually. I if you could see here, I'm. I don't think if you can see, but the, I'm. I'm peeling still right oh, now. My wow. skin. I'm. I'm. I'm ridding myself of my, my current layer of skin. Uh, it. It was. Uh, it was weird though. The first like, I find like in the morning it was like 12, 13 degrees Celsius, but by the time afternoon came around, we're talking. We're going. We're going to the twenty twos, twenty threes, and um. You know, spent some time at the beach. Like you know, like you said, you, you saw me on the on the bikes. I was I was the hotel hooked us up with bikes, ten dollars bike around uh, Lauderdale by the sea. That was the area I was in. Um, it's it's a thrill. What a rush to you know bike on the side of the road, like right next to that that Floridian traffic. Man, it's uh, just, it, was, it was it was great. But yeah, I caught a sunburn. Uh, it was good. I made the most out of my my two full days there. But uh, as far as the match, it was. Um, it it's it set up really nicely at the, at the mm. stadium the formerly known the former drive pink stadium is now chase stadium i saw the first yeah. match in uh, chase stadium history under its uh its new name um but yeah like uh it, it was cool man like there was obviously it, outside of the stadium like they had like the fan zone that opened up a few hours before the the doors opened up and there was like yeah. like games people could play and they had like a a merch truck where they were selling jerseys and everything. I have I, I bought the replica because it was like yeah. I do like the black jerseys that they have, but they're nice. I feel like you gotta get the pink one because that's the if I'm gonna get into Miami jersey, I'm gonna get the pink jersey. I'm not like this messy fanboy or whatever context. Yeah, yeah. I, I went down because my my uh my friend was down there for work and it just everything kind of worked out. It was like let's do it. But like, you know, been there, done that, you know, bought the shirt now. I can say that. So uh, You've been on the tour. I've been. I I bought into the messy experience, but it was a good time. The yeah, there was like lots of activities, food trucks, whatever outside. The vibe was good. It was a beautiful day. Um, we had some decent seats too. Like you could see like very uh, adjacent on the side of the pitch. Like good view of everything. We weren't like behind one particular neck where we had to like break our necks yep. to see what's going on on the other end of the pitch. So good seats. Um, it was nice. Nice view, man. Like you seen the sunset and. It's just a whole, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, they, they put on a show for sure. They did the Luis Suarez announcement. They, you know, yes. David Beckham came out. They let off the fire. They love fireworks at those games. They score, it's fireworks. When they, they kick off, fireworks. <laughs> we announce our, our new, it, it, you know, 30-year-old signing, fireworks. Intermission, go get, get some fries, fireworks, right? It's just, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just how Florida does. Goal uh, called so, off because it's offside, fireworks. Fire, fireworks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a bit of fun too. You actually, there was goals scored in in the match you attended, unlike some of the uh, Canadian fixtures that happened this past weekend. But uh, sure there was. how you know for the fans, how how did Messi look? I think he he picked up an apple. So yeah, he was. Um, 
you know, everybody obviously freaks out whenever he touches the ball. Um, I think that he was the he was the difference maker in that match. Both goals came as a result of of him getting the ball and 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 making something happen, especially that second goal, which actually did lead to Luis Suarez picking up his first yep. assist in uh, in Major League Soccer. So I was pressed to see the first Luis Suarez assist. I actually I was surprised that he played 88 minutes of that match because he looked like he was about to call it after the first 15 minutes. I don't know if you've caught this man running. Suarez or Messi? Suarez. <laughs> well, he's got a three-day routine to get his knees ready, right? I, man, that guy, he's they gotta shoot him up with everything possible to bring him out there. I, I I like even watching the LA Galaxy match on the weekend, it's like his his knees are and this is no shade to him and what he's going through. I'm sure it's not uh, enjoyable, but like I, like you know the money that they're paying this guy uh, you know the expectations that are put on him like he scored like i think like 20 goals in the brazilian league yep. last year like he's still producing at a high level but he, it doesn't look like he can run and it was very noticeable watching this match i was like for sure second half they're gonna take him off but he played most of the game and um you know robert uh robert taylor scored the first goal and uh yeah the place was it get, you know it got excited during exciting moments between like the 50th the 75th minute i'm not going to lie it was it, it was kind of painful because oh. it just wasn't anything really happening it looked like miami's defense was kind of falling asleep a lot of tired legs out there and it was noticeable and uh there's like one supporter section that's that's really loud and they and they keep it you know they keep the energy flowing for most of the game but the atmosphere and that's to be expected i think because it's only a club that's had like five years of history anyway but um you could tell there's a lot of neutrals a lot of people that are kind of just getting on board oh messy plays here we want to go see him that like are just getting introduced to this for the first time or perhaps this is miami's not their main club and they're yeah. just out there to see messy um so it doesn't seem like there's a lot of like buy-in to the club overall yet um like there was times in the second half when the game was kind of drying out a bit where like I felt like if I screamed, people could hear me all throughout the stadium. Oh, crazy. Yeah. So that was kind of surprising. But um, like the supporter section was was doing was doing their thing for the most part. And it picked up after kind of towards the end of the game when it got exciting. But yeah, it was it was a good experience. Like it's like a, you know, top notch stadium experience for sure. Like they you could tell obviously a lot of money's been invested into giving off that impression. Yeah, they had r running water, right? I'm real impressive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a couple. I was taking some notes for uh, for the boys back home here, but yeah, yeah, that, that's all right. We'll see how things uh, shake out with Halifax City Council and and uh, the permanent stadium here. But uh, do we want to shift over to uh, some some Canada soccer news? Yeah, I'm ready to just fire off at anything. For context, we were going to record this earlier this week, and mm. we had a big old list of so many things that happened over the weekend and. Stuff is, you know, news has popped off since, and we're we're busy guys, but we're gonna try to we're gonna try to nail all the important stuff here. Yeah, yeah, just just the highlights, just the hits, you and know. We're gonna hit you the hits, yeah, whatever yeah, those yeah, are, yeah. you know. Um, as we alluded to already, Candace Soccer has announced today, actually, uh, we're recording on Thursday, that Kevin Blue is the new secretary uh, and uh, secretary general and CEO. Um, which is which is big, you know. It wasn't that long ago that uh, we got a very similar uh, announcement about Allison Walker, uh, but in Blue's case, he is actually coming from Golf Canada, and he was actually the former athletic director at UC Davis. Um, obviously, this is a huge announcement for Canada soccer, just given the context and and the time that it comes in, where you know we have the World Cup coming, uh, League Ones across the country are growing. Um, I guess, what do you make of this, Mitchell? And uh, hearing that Blue is, is going to, you know, has been tapped as the fella for the job. I, I don't, I mean, from, from what I read, it seems like he has a pretty impressive resume as far as being able to, to raise money and, and um, you know, improve the profitability of some of the organizations that he's been with in the past. I mm. put out this post here before on my, on my ex account, just kind of taking away, you know, five standout facts that came from the, the Canadian Soccer Association released, like it said that obviously he helped raise uh, $20 million in financial support for what during his time with Golf Canada, um, when he was at U, U Davis, UC Davis, um, helped uh, fundraise and, and, and put forth the construction of a new $52 million sports performance and medical center, 
Um, he led the commercial functions of Stanford's $120 million athletics department. So obviously this guy seems to be able to understand how to string together the moving parts that can help push an organization forward. I know that people, some people were, were critical of the fact that he perhaps admittedly has no experience in soccer specifically, but I don't yep. necessarily think that that's needs. That doesn't have to be the main selling point right now. It's like, obviously this guy, he was listed uh, by it, it, one as one of Canada's quote five to watch in, in sports business for, for 2023. So this guy has a resume and he was, he was, you know, performing at a high level in this realm at uh, at a re- relatively young age and has a proven track record. So, I mean, why not? Why not give this guy a shot? He seems he seems aware of the of the challenges that face Canada soccer right now. And um, I, I mean, I don't have any insight to the insider process. Like, I don't I don't know what's going on sure. behind closed doors. But what has been presented to us so far, I mean, I would rather be optimistic that, than not. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm very similar to you. I, I was quite pleased to see him announce, uh, one, just to have the position filled is great, right? Like, yeah, true. He need right? to start like yesterday. Uh, right. So the announcement, good, good timing. The other thing, and you kind of alluded it, uh, to it already, you know, some people have been critical that he doesn't have a soccer footy background, um, which is fair. But at the same token, he's got a lot of experience elsewhere in different sports. And that's going to lend, you know, a differing perspective from what we've, potentially had in the past right you know he's he's coming from golf canada as you mentioned already he's he's shown a track record of uh being able to you know produce money and fundraise which uh god knows uh canada soccer needs to do a little bit of that in in the coming years as as we sort of ramp up uh to 2026 so um yeah i think have, having someone who's you know has uh is from a different mold can only can only be a good thing in trying to shape things up and and you know trying to reinvigorate the program and it seems like he understands that there's a need to reestablish um, just trust with the with with the the Canadian soccer community as a whole. It's not like he's coming into this and speaking down to the the, the fan base and to people involved in the sport in the country. Like he was quoted here saying, you know, rebuilding trust in Canada soccer and ensuring that the association is healthy, competitively, financially. And operationally is critical if Canada is to take advantage of its upcoming opportunities domestically and on the world's biggest stages. It's, it, it sounds like, you know, he says we have urgent work to do. Um, everyone who shares the passion of our game needs to come together as partners. So I, I think that, yeah, like when you consider the, the financial success that he's played a, a role in and achieving with, with previous institutions, um, I, I don't think it, it it's so much, you know, relevant if he's able to you know na- answer football trivia questions you know it's like l- let get the he's a business guy get him in the room he understands sports business and that could very well be applied to to soccer here I- in canada um I- it sounds like he's someone that's hungry he's a young guy he- he's approaching it with a sense of urgency i did have someone actually respond to my- one of my posts and-, and said that people i guess over at uh at the in the Canadian golf Twitter community, um, sure. we're saying that like, oh, you got yourself a good one. Like, it's going to be difficult to to fill this guy's shoes. So, obviously, he's he's left an, an impression in the fields that he's worked in previously. So, just judging off of that track record, it, it sounds like you know we don't really have any particular reason to doubt what he's capable of now. So, let's let's see what he can, you know, bring forward. And and obviously he's he's likely a self-aware guy to to have gotten to this point in the first place i would imagine he understands that he needs to consult with people that that have um you know years of experience in in football here in canada and obviously if you're the new general secretary of the canadian soccer association you would hope that those people could easily be at his disposal so um i have no reason to be dismissive of his potential at this at this point Hundred percent, and you, I, to me, you hit the nail on the head already. You know, the proof will be in the pudding. He's got a runway. He's got to run with it. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll kind of keep tabs on on some of his first moves in in this new position. But uh, overall, as I mentioned, good to have that filled and and that settled, right? Because yeah. once that's done, then you can start looking. Okay, what what's going to happen with the you know the long term head coaching position? Um, that's next. For, yeah. yeah, for the men's national team so yeah do we want to scoot over to 
a little bit of MLS now, but not Inter Miami. Uh, thinking more TFC if that suits your fancy, Mitchell. I would love some TFC, man. I, I was looking forward to talking about this uh, just because I, I don't think I've been that on that much uh, on the edge of my seat for a game that ended nil-nil in, in quite <laughs> some time. Uh, that was uh, – I was – Pleasantly surprised for for those who don't know, like TF Toronto FC was the first club that I I had supported when back when they were the only professional club here in Canada, and I was like, oh my god, Canada has a has a pro team, and I was like eleven, um, so I kind of have this unconditional love for the club despite what they've gone through in recent years. But um, yeah, I I watched that game on, on Saturday afternoon, and it was it was impressive to see. It felt like they hold they held up for that that draw you heard the final whistle it was like they qualified for the playoffs it was i was happy. yeah so obviously some of the biggest news was of course like the week leading up to the match that uh they were able to bring back a familiar face in richie larea um and he ended up making the starting 11 what did you think about uh you know his his game given uh he was he was pretty new to mr herdman and new uh right. <laughs> and uh, how, how he sort of fit into the three four three formation that they ended up running with for most of the match. I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Again, it's funny because Herman, I think in a press conference a few days beforehand, suggested that he might make an appearance off the bench. So obviously, obviously, maybe there's some cheeky mind games that he was playing there with, with Cincinnati, and then he yeah. just throws him into the starting eleven. I mean, the first touch that he got in the game, I he, I thought he he nearly won a Toronto FC a penalty. Um, it was close. It was close. One, yeah, one of the best opportunities of the game, which was a pretty excellently taken free kick from from Insigne. Like that first five minutes, he's taken down. The referee blows the whistle. I think Insigne thought there was going to be a penalty, so I saw yep. him pick up the ball. And uh, just to see that right out of the gate, that that uh, oh my god, there's some fight in this team. Apparently, um, was was very encouraging. And as far as Larea, I don't think he was the most impactful out of out of the 11 that started sure. the match, but he was explosive like he always is when he needed to be. And I thought that that was pretty impressive just considering he hadn't played a competitive match since November when White Caps crashed out of the MLS playoffs. So yep. um, I was curious. Yeah, it was surprising to see him just jump back in and, and fit like a glove with everyone else considering I don't know what he was up to for the last couple of months. He was using over in England and then he just popped back here, no preseason, just right into the starting 11. So he did come off with the slight knock at the beginning of the second half. I, yeah. I think I read that he wasn't training with the club this like today. So I, I hope that he's back into the fold for the weekend or maybe even just off the bench. But um, yeah, that was a, uh, it was great that I was excited. I, I couldn't believe it when I read that he, he had joined. It's like he, that's where he needs to be. If he's not going to play overseas, he's going to be an MLS. Like he deserves to have a spot at, at the Toronto FC. So I was just happy that he, he returned. A hundred percent. Um, it was also, of course, the the first appearance for Kevin Long as well, one of uh, Herman's other new recruits. Uh, you know, he's a little bit older. He's 33, uh, coming over. Um, I'm trying to remember where he's playing before now off the top of my head. Birmingham. But, uh, yeah, Birmingham, there it is. Uh, but he, he's originally from Ireland, if I remember correctly. But uh, right. anyways, what what did you think of um, his, his uh, first match for the club as well? Of course, he's a little more defensive, but. Yeah, for people that don't know, um, so Kevin Long is actually also the general secretary of the of the Canadian Soccer Association. It's his alter ego. He's got Kevin Blue, and then he plays for TFC. <laughs> Kevin Long. Um, I think at one point today, I almost, I almost wrote that. It was Kevin Long. It's the new, it's the really? That's um, funny. But, uh, I, yeah, he was um, – I remember reading that he's, he's a guy who's not scared to go up for uh, – you know, to get stuck in, to – to head a ball, make a clearance. He's a physical, tall defender, and I think he uh, he was solid. Really, there was uh, there was so much going on. I think there was times I didn't, I forgot. I was like, oh my god, I forgot he was he was he playing. was there even, right? But Which think, isn't the worst thing though for a defender, right? Like, well, exactly. And I think he has some solid solid uh, moments as well. I think there was a, a pretty pivotal header that he got off a, if I remember correctly, off a, off a corner kick that Cincinnati had at one point. Um, so I think he did his job. Um, Shane O'Neill, I thought was pretty great as well. That was, that was paired next to him. You could, you could see him moving a, a bit more, um, 
further up the field while while Long sat back a bit, and he was just he was uh, a cost of the shadow all over the pitch. He didn't give him any breathing room, and that's exactly what you want. He got a yellow card in the second half that I think that he probably didn't deserve to have. But um, yeah, Shane O'Neill was great too, as his fellow Irishman, and um, yeah, and then Flores as well, who made his mm-hmm. debut was dominant in the middle of the park. You know, Jonathan Osorio said that uh, he, he he got that dog in him. So <laughs> and I think it's true, man, because uh, uh, Bark Bark, he was he was all over the place. He was, uh, I thought he was probably the best player on, on the pitch. A lot of people said that. And uh, there was some times I, I, I did get frustrated. I found he, I feel like not as many people talked about like a few chances that ended up that that were caused by these little moments where Flores, maybe he just didn't have it the the, the best option, and, and he kind yep. of gave the ball away a bit. But I mean, there was yeah, he was all over the place. He was. Uh, I think he's quickly become a fan favorite after his his one matchup service. And Sean Johnson obviously was clean sheet man. Hard yeah. to argue with that. His hundredth too. And yeah, it's big. It's big. Speaking about big news as well. Um, TFC has continued their recruitment into the season now. So it was actually broken today that 23-year-old Matty Longstaff has come in from Newcastle. Of course, he had, uh, I think it was four previous years with the club, 23 appearance, uh, twenty-three appearances. Uh, but he comes with an injury history as well. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on on having the, uh, the young English midfielder come in, hopefully to add a little bit more bite to the center of the pitch? Well, this must be John Herman's like uh, passion project signing because I believe he's a big Newcastle fan. So he's, I would imagine he probably had his eye on this guy for, for quite some time. He also yep. was one of the trialists during training camp. I saw a Canadian press uh, journalist, uh, Neil Davidson, published a story on it earlier, and he, he, I believe he used a photo of him in a TFC kit. So I think he was with the team for at least a few weeks. Um, I, I suspect that he was actually, I think it was their last preseason match where their starting lineup had two trialists in it. So yep. I reckon that it wasn't Kevin Law because he came through. I don't think he he was here for preseason, but I feel like um yeah, I feel like I feel like he must have been in that in that starting eleven on, on that match anyway. Um so as far as Matty Law, I mean I, I haven't watched him play. I think we've all seen the highlight Premier League goal of the month that he scored on his debut for Newcastle against Manchester yep. United like twenty nineteen, which you know that was great, you know, five years ago. But um, yeah, I don't really, um, I don't, I don't see the the pessimism around bringing him in right now. I saw some some people making comments, you know, is this really what they need right now, another midfielder? But um, at, at the very least, at the very worst, it's a it's a depth signing, which he could compete with uh, Alonso Coelho in the mm-hmm. midfield, who I actually I thought was the most solid player for Toronto FC over the weekend. He was excellent. I mean, his distribution is fantastic. Um, so if Matty Longstaff is just a depth option, I think it's a pretty good depth option. If, if, you know, um, he can live up to some of the expectations that people have around him, but, um, yeah, I saw he most recently, recently played with Colchester United and he's obviously had some injury issues, but from what I've read, he's fully back to fitness. So, um, I think he'll be hungry as well to prove himself over here after, um, you know, injuries kind of plagued his developments in the UK and now he probably has, something to prove and i think that mls is a, is a great look it's a great league to do that in he's only 23 so yeah um, it's not like this is some guy who who was bouncing around league two for 10 years i mean yeah very well could have a breakout season what's this, it, to, what's this yeah I was, I was gonna say this is one of those like low risk high reward type moves that like why not if you're tfc right so, like there's mm-hmm. not very much expected of you uh as they come in with the wooden spoon this year right so, like to to take a player who again was with newcastle um is very his brother young. still is yeah. his brother still is uh you know he's very young so like he's got the potential as you said to have maybe a breakout season and and maybe as a chip on his shoulder after uh his injury concerns and and you know maybe not panning out the way he thought he would over in the uk so um yeah it's it's it serves as a good contrast to the type of move that John Herdman is looking to make compared to, you know, bringing in Kevin Long, for example, and Larea, like you're shoring up positions in, in that instance, but in, in with Matty Longstaff, um, you know, you're kind of banking on some potential and seeing if you can kind of catch a little bit of magic in, in a player who's coming in. Yeah. And I think that they might end up announcing, I know that TFC announced that they acquired another international roster spot from yeah. Cincinnati today. And I don't know if that is too, um 
it, it is to cover the transfer of of Maddie Longstaff. But there has been this other um, player. I believe he's this 19 year old center back from Brazil who hasn't made, as far as to my knowledge, a professional appearance yet. I honestly do not know how to pronounce his last name. It's Y T H A L L O. So like Italo. You, you, you tell I don't know, but I I'm see glad some... you're the one who attempted it and not me. <laughs> I see some people, well, people, I mean, listeners of the show, they know that we, we have our, our battles with, with pronun- name pronunciation sometimes, but um, I have seen uh, some, some accounts in the, the Toronto FC community on, on, on X here, been posting stuff about this guy for the last couple of weeks. And apparently he now has Toronto as his location on Instagram, and he follows TFC two and and a and a fellow TFC two player. So, I don't know. I think they're gonna probably announce someone else soon. But obviously, it looks like they're going very defensive heavy with the signing. Yeah. So maybe they're progressively working their way up to a striker. It's like you bring in Kevin Long. You know, you got Flores a couple months before, and then you got Richard Larea, and then you know Maddie Longstaff. He's up there, but everyone wants a striker. So. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, Owusu over the weekend, he wasn't too effective. I mean, he actually got knocked over and ended up blocking a shot that Insigne took. I mean, you could yep. debate if it was going to go in or not. Go in or not. You know, you're, you're supposed to score goals, my friend, not to keep them out. But I think that, you know, he's he had an okay performance. But um, they do need a striker. That's that's uh, without a question. So it'll be still interesting to see where are the goal is going to come from. If you can prevent them, that's great. But you still need to score to win games. Yeah. Um, it, we were talking about this um, off camera earlier, but uh, there was a really interesting uh, quote from Herdman talking about Insigne uh, in so much as he's a Ferrari and we need to tune him up uh, or something to that line. Of course, last year he... Uh, I think he only suited up in 20 matches. So he had a fair amount of injury. So um, it's interesting that Herdman is already trying to keep tabs on his playing time. Makes a lot of sense. You know, he's 32 years old. Uh, so <laughs> help, help, help the guy out just so he's as, as effective as he can be instead of, uh, you know, having a Luis Suarez and having him limp all over the pitch, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what, though? He was, Insigne came off injured in the first match of last season. So if yep. that wasn't a forecast for how the remainder of the season was about to go, I don't know what was, but you know he, you know, I, as far like he did get subbed off in the second half, and it wasn't like he was limping off injured. If you know, if it's tough to say because you could say, you know, they spent all this money on this guy. He's one of the most highest played le- paid league players in the league. Yep, you're gonna want him if he's not gonna play every single match. You're going to expect him to produce when he is on the pitch, whether that's goal contributions, whether that's contributing to them, pick, taking home three points at home or a point on the road or scoring goals or assisting goals. You're not going to want him to just kind of have an okay match if yeah. you can't even play him every single game. So they're going to New England on Saturday, on I think it's Sunday actually, and um, he might not play, I think. So it's like, okay you that's what Herbert he's like we want to make sure he's fit and ready to play at home so yeah I don't know I, I guess it could be is if the other option is oh he ends up you know pushing him too hard and he uh he's out for two months then I guess that this is the right approach if he produces when he plays um I know that they they got someone uh a, a medical assistant or someone in that department from Canada soccer over at TFC to essentially just focus on maintaining Insigne's health and I guess this was the same person who helped uh nurture Stefan Nostacchio back to full fitness to be able to play with the men's national team so Mm -hmm. Herman's recruited this guy and he's working with Insigne um so I mean it sounds like they have a plan and hopefully that works (laughs) you know I like Herman I trust him so um, yeah yeah no I I agree it comes down to the concept of you know you just don't want to spread him too thin Right, like he does have game-breaking talent, but as we witnessed last season, if you run him full bore all the time, he's going to break down. Mm-hmm. So you know, trying to distill his his performances so that you know maybe he o- only suits up for whatever twenty twenty-five, but if he's at full fitness for those twenty-five, that's a lot more effective than you know running in full out without breaks and then him breaking down. So um, yeah. As 
everyone knows at this time already. Uh, CF Montreal also kicked off their season in Orlando City uh, last weekend. Uh, we can talk uh, briefly about this. Of course, uh, it was the first match as head coach for Laurent Courtois, which was great. Also nil-nil. There was obviously something in the water for the Canadian clubs over the weekend. Um, did you have a chance to sort of watch this one, Mitchell? I watched the whole thing, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought that... Uh... Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was a nil nil draw for sure. It was a nil, um, yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, I mean, there was moments. I guess I was surprised that Montreal did come away with the with the with a draw, but I think that they were pretty compact defensively. And um, it's is it is it? I see. I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation now that I have to to say it in a conversation for the first time. Is it Cor? How do you say his name? The Uruguayan attacker, uh, Kokaro. I think it's Kokaro. But... I think it's Kukaro. I think there's an ooh in there. Uh, a, li- a little ooh? Okay. <laughs> like a Kukaro. I, th- I do think it's a th- I thought he was one of their best players on, on the pitch, which is encouraging for, for fans as, as he's their, their new go-to striker, I would think, for the season if, if Jose, yep, Mar- Jose Martinez is not going to play every game. Um, and uh, their other new signing, the... Um, the Bulgarian, uh, Dominic Yankov, I thought that he had some moments as well. He wasn't too noticeable. I mean, sure. uh, Piet and Chouanier, the Canadian internationals, they they did their job in the middle of the park. It, it was just a solid team effort, and uh, I think that they would be happy to come away with the, the nil-nil draw, just like Toronto was. Um, and then, you know, Martinez came on with the in the last 20 minutes, I believe. He had one yep. good chance that he, he kind did of have blundered. Um, yeah. So... It might take him a few weeks to kind of get into his groove there, but I, I think that they could shape up to also be a, a competitive team this season. It's so hard to predict the first game. Of course, of course. Uh, for for me, the two biggest takeaways, and uh, one of them I put on the notes here, uh, Jonathan Silva kept that clean sheet late into the match. Like Orlando was pressing so hard at the end. They had chance after chance, yeah, and Silva right. stood on his head. Um you know, it's it's hard to believe actually, but it was like this time last year that he kind of grabbed that starter role and ran away with it. And you know, he did his part last season, even though they didn't end up making the playoffs. But um, you know, it's hard to believe that that it wasn't that long ago that he was actually a CPL player. So, um, you know, yeah. So it was it was cool to see that you know he he still got it. It wasn't a fluke. Uh, you know, getting a clean sheet, especially with the amount of chances that Orlando had at the end. Uh, you know, to, to me. That got them the points, right? Like that was super important. Yeah. The yeah, other right. thing is, um, you know, even though, even though they looked better, and as you mentioned, it was a great team performance, they still didn't score, and that was an issue that they had all of last year. So, you know, if they're having, you know, really compact playing as a unit, that's great. But at the end of the day, they've got to score goals to win matches, and I wonder. Well, they brought in the tracking reinforcements. Yeah, they did. They did. It's just, you know, will will they deliver? Rachel Martinez, you know, he's he's coming off. He also had a pretty major injury last year, if I remember correctly, right? So, you know, there's some questions about him trying to find his form as well. And and again, I think uh, Montreal was like fourth last in the league last year in, in goals scored over the course of the season. So um, that's something to, to keep an eye on as we kind of go forward. Yeah, I mean, they have the player to reach 100 goals in MLS the fastest in Jose Martinez. I mean, even on an off year, I still think he scored about 10 goals in all competitions last year. So this guy is a proven goal scorer, especially in MLS. I mean, Venezuelan international, he's he's won an MLS Cup. He understands the league, and and he's um, obviously capable of performing at the highest level when he's in his groove. So hopefully this, this, this system and this squad can get that out of him. I'm really interested to see how how he performs. I've always enjoyed watching him play. Yeah, man. Also, I was going to say, talking about goalkeepers standing on their heads, I I don't think he's been given enough credit, but uh, James Pantamus with the Mm -hmm. Portland Timbers, who started this weekend against Colorado um, alongside uh, fellow Canadians uh, Kamal Miller and Zach McGraw, was surprised at first to see that Maxine Crapo wasn't starting, but apparently he he wasn't able to for – Personal reasons, he, he he wasn't in the game on on Saturday for their home opener. But uh, yeah, I thought he made some fantastic saves. Um, uh, he didn't get the clean sheet, obviously. Uh, Portland won four one. I watched the first half of that match, but he he made some impressive saves. And 
I, uh, to be honest, that's not a keeper. I don't think I've ever actually watched play before. So I uh, haven't. So. It's <laughs> nice to think of Canada does have uh, some quality goalkeeping depth. So, um, yeah, I hope to see him rotate a bit with Crapo throughout the season. Obviously, I think that Crapo will still be their regularly starting goalkeeper. But uh, shout out to James Pantemis. I mean, he, he had a good art as Pantemis. Pantemis. You know, I hear the commentators reference their name. I hear people talk about it, but when it's my time to shine, baby, sometimes I'm I'm overthinking the pronunciation. So apologize if I if I mispronounce your name, Sir uh, Sir James Panthemus. But um, yeah, Portland Timbers crowds they're they're legit, man. What an atmosphere! I don't know if you caught any highlights from that game, but uh, I I did catch some of the highlights. Um, in terms of kits this year, oh, they've yeah. got. A- they're, they're gotta be number one. Like there was um one of uh, the friends of the show from Aways. Uh, he was saying, you know what? I think that this is the year I get into uh, MLS. Any squad recommendations? And I threw out Portland immediately. One best <laughs> kits in the league. Two, a uh, high amount of Canadian representation. Right. Yeah. So like I uh, yeah they they look sharp. I, I like what they're doing over there. And they named Phil Neville their new head coach, uh, coach of the week, for what that's Ooh. worth. So shout out to Big Phil. It's it's better than not getting coach of the week. Yeah, true, Doctor <laughs> Phil. Um, what else yeah, we got on the list here? Yeah, yeah, just a couple more things. Uh, all the Canadian clubs have officially been knocked out of the Concacaf Champions Cup. Uh-huh. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, but Cavalry ended up losing six uh, one on aggregate to Orlando. Uh, you know, towards. So for the second leg, obviously, because that, that's what happened on Tuesday, uh, you know, Cavalry was holding their own going into the break. Uh, but obviously, they were down on aggregate. So coming out of that, they made a number of moves to try and score, to to attack, to to really bring the match to Orlando. And they did end up scoring. So Meyer Bevan gets the first club goal in international competition. Huge, huge moment for him and, and also for the club. Uh but you know, it was, it was pretty safe to say once once they started throwing their pieces forward to try and create, uh, it didn't take Orlando very long to to bite them in the arse a little bit. So um, I, I don't think anyone is is necessarily surprised by this the the final scoreline. But uh, I guess your thoughts from you know the the inaugural uh, sojourn for Cavalry in uh, Concacaf. Yeah, I think that any kind of presence in the continental competitions by a Canadian Premier League club at this point is progress for not only the club, but the league as a whole. So it's nice to see them compete. It's unfortunate. Like I did see a lot of people saying that CPL clubs are never going to have a proper, it's that they're always going to be at a disadvantage because the, this part of the tournament takes place in their off season. So, you know, I get that, but at the same time, if you're an MLS club, you're, you're kind of, just coming out Same of your boat. off season as well, right? So, um, obviously the, the 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 salaries and the and the talent is a bit are a bit different. So it's they are players have a higher quality for the most part. But um, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised because I actually expected the Calvary and Orlando fixture to be um, closer than the Gu- Guadalajara and um, Forge, Forge one. And yeah. um, so you know, I, I don't think that the Calvary fans are. I wouldn't think that they're they're largely disappointed by the outcome of this. I think that everyone was just kind of, this was kind of the year where, oh, we're just grateful to be here. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not trying to speak for them. I did see that some away support went down to Orlando. So they were in the same headspace as me last week. You know, let's get down to Florida, escape the Canadian winter for a few days and catch a, yeah, buddy. a soccer game. But you know what's interesting? When I was, so after the Inter-Miami game, I went, we took an Uber back to our hotel. There's a pizza place across the street. So we, we went there. And uh, on the TV was uh, Cavalry versus Orlando. Hey, at, that's pretty uh, cool to see. I uh, know, at, uh, at Starlight Stadium in, uh, in, 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 yeah, in BC. I'm like watching it down. I was, I was impressed. It was, it was on like the Fox Soccer channel, I believe. Yep. And uh, it was like the CONCACAF broadcast. And I was like, wait, I like, had like a double take. I was like, CPL teams right here in Florida. Yeah. I'm watching, eating pizza. That's amazing, though. Like, if you think about it, like, that's the competition in a nutshell and what it represents to Canadian clubs, right? It is a spotlight or a platform to show their, their, their goods and let the world know, hey, we're here and we're a serious soccer nation. Um, and exactly. 
the scoreline may not be what you want. Like I remember after, uh, you know, Forge and Chivas, they they finished like going to Forge's like Twitter slash X account and looking at the replies, and there was just all of these people from Mexico saying like, "Fantastic, amazing to see how far your club's gone." Like I'll be following, and That's again great. that that they wouldn't know about forge necessarily right like if if they weren't in that competition the same goes for for cavalry and uh, you know anyone else who who is at that pizza joint with you being <laughs> like who where like where is this starlight stadium and cavalry canada like it's amazing I, it, yeah and i'm just i looked up at the tv and i saw ali Moosey. i was like <laughs> i'm in lauderdale by the sea um and it was funny too like just talking about like the passion of, of football fans. I just thought that this was really cool. The, you know, you talk about these, these Chivas fans that were exposed to Forge, like how many of these people are just so obsessed with the game that they just, they want to watch another league. They're like, I'm going to watch the CPL now. I saw my club play against this Forge team from Canada. Ah, too well support. And, and then it just creates that exposure for the league. But I met this guy who they were actually sitting across him and his, his girlfriend or wife, or maybe it was just his friend. I'm not sure, but um, they were sitting across from us. And then the, the waiter told me that they were also from Canada and they both had into Miami jerseys on. So yeah. and there wasn't that many people there. So when they were walking out, uh, they were standing outside for a second. I kind of yelled to them like, are oh, you guys from Canada? And I couldn't really hear what they were saying. So I went and I chatted with them and uh, the, the man was from Argentina. The, the woman was from Toronto, but she actually went to school at Dalhousie. So I'm like, this is just what a coincidence. Um, but they they told like they told me that she told me she's seen Messi play 13 times and he's seen him play 14 times and they've been to the 2018 World Cup and the 2022 World Cup as well but I, it what what really was fascinating about their approach to attending matches live I mean they they obviously go to many games was that during the World Cup for him once Argentina makes it to the knockout phases he can't watch it in person because he gets too emotional. He gets too, oh, it impacts wow. him so much that he just is not in a state of being able to, I guess, exist in public. And this is a very, he was a very cool, normal guy. When I was chatting with him, he was just like, I just can't do it. And and she told me that during the World Cup final, once it went to extra, extra time, wherever they were watching it from, there were a group of people. Yeah. He had to just leave. He said a piece out. He's like, I got to get my truck. I'm just going to drive around the neighborhood. And then you tell me when it's over and, and I'll come back. <laughs> and, and he said, she said that he, he left and then he, you know, he came back and uh, he, she was at the door and he was like, did we win? And she was like, you won. And then he just like <laughs> dropped down and starts to cry. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you, you think sometimes you watch a game, you're really into it, but then there's just people that, it's on a whole other level. And I just, you know, I love that story because it's just, I'm like, wow. Okay. I think that I'm intense sometimes watching a match, but this is, this guy can't even do it. He has to leave. Yeah. 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 No, it's amazing though. And that's the power of sports though, right? It's, it's so much more, right? It, it goes beyond. Uh, I've had a lot of conversations this week, just about like football as a vehicle for community and how it impacts all these little things in society that you might not necessarily think of. Like um, the, uh, this is a couple of weeks ago now, but like Athletical Ottawa had their soccer lewd, which was like a soccer festival in the middle of winter in Ottawa, which, you know, weather, not great. But the fact that these people are out there doing it and they're raising money and like they, they just announced, of course, their, their community kits as well. And like every kit that people buy from Athletical Ottawa uh, goes to feed 30, 30 meals. And like that's an impact that that is so much more than a bunch of fellas kicking the ball around on the pitch, right? Like that has tangible impacts in the greater Ottawa area, and, and I just think it's really cool to to see that happen, um, not only in Canada but just all over the world, right? Like you're your uh, Argentine fella, like that that's amazing that you can feel something so deeply, right? It's more than just a game. I yeah, well said, man. Well yeah. said. Uh, just uh, one or two more things here. Uh, diving fully into the CPL world, a uh, bit exciting. Wanderers training camp officially kicked off. So I was uh, part of a, a group of lucky reporters to, to be able to, to go to the BMO Soccer Center in Halifax on what was just a miserable freaking day. Just the worst. 
I feel bad for any of the players who are reporting from like Brazil or, or down the States somewhere. It was sunny just to like come into like, you know, when it's like that slushy rain yeah, and everything's just brown. It, it, it was a mess, but uh, things look pretty good on the pitch. So it, it, you know, it's got me hyped and excited for, for the coming CPL season because uh, I'm going to get to do what I love to do, which is, which is show up and, and talk people's ears off and uh, write about football. Yeah, so I was gonna, yeah, like, what was the atmosphere like? I did read your your piece, just kind of recapping what you saw during the the first, that you know, that public training session. Um, wh- what would you say the spirits were like? What was there a lot of uh, squad unity amongst the 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 Wanderers roster, the the new and old? Yeah, you know what? It was really interesting in so much as it was already like notched up to eleven in terms of intensity. Uh, you know, you really got the feeling that just because you were there last year and the club was successful, that that didn't mean, mean you were guaranteed a spot for, for this year. Obviously, you know, part of that has to do with the amount of depth signings that were brought in, you know, players across all positions to kind of buoy the, the roster that was already there. So like, you know, bringing in Julian Dunn, for example, at 23, he's a big fella, like on another CPL club, I'd argue he could be like a starter right away right so like he's he's in there and he's battling with with kale lockery and and he's battling with dan nimick to to you know prove his himself and then of course like in midfield uh you know as as great as lorenzo caligari was uh last year you you had the likes of giorgio probo who who had come in and vitor diaz as well and you know they're they they both look very very sharp uh, and of course play in in the middle of the park as well so uh yeah in a word i, I would just say intense and um, during they they had like a little chat after the the session, so it was a two hour session. And Patrice Geyser, the head coach, just went around talking, you know, calling up people who played last year to be like, "Do you feel something different this year versus last year?" Like I can feel like we're at another level already, and that's amazing. Um, I don't know if that was part of stunt for the new fellas, but it it was it was cool to see, you know, he felt that that drive already from the group. And I think it bodes well for, for the season as a whole. Yeah. Were you able to speak with any of the the players while you were there? Yeah. So unfortunately just the way it worked out, they like meetings right after. So uh, the media session got cut a bit short. So I had a chance to interview uh, Vitor Diaz and who's the young Brazilian who, who's coming normally plays as an attacking 10, which, which was great. And, and, you know, he mentioned already that he's feeling good. Uh, if I'm being honest, I thought he was one of the standout players from the session that I saw. And like when all the media walked in at the beginning of the day, uh, the Wanderers comps person said, like, keep your eyes peeled for Diaz because he looks wicked. And I think he lived up to, you know, that, that initial assessment. Um, he's quick. He's sure footed. Uh, he's got good instincts. Um, he's, he's, he's very technical. And, you know, I, th- I think he's got the potential to be uh, mighty, mighty dangerous. Uh, Martin Bauman from the coast made a comment that, you know, with, with, uh, with a good foot and, you know, a cool dyed haircut, he's, he's meeting our, uh, our Joe Morelli, uh, you know, cool Brazilian quota for the club. So right, yeah. uh, it's a bit funny, but yeah, it, w- it was nice to, to speak to Diaz and, and, you know, he's pumped for the season and, it, it was interesting, actually. I always like to ask, you know, who do you know on the club already or who are you most excited to play with? He he said uh, playing with Lorenzo Caligari was was going to be his highlight just because they see the game in a very similar way. And if that's true for Diaz, who, of course, has um, two seasons in MLS Next Pro, uh, that's going to bode really well for the club because we all know that uh, Lorenzo's vision is is wicked, so... Yeah, that's very encouraging, obviously, for uh, for Wanderer supporters and, and fans of the league alike. I mean, uh, yeah, blonde hair, Brazilian quota is uh, looks like we got to uh, it's being mashed again this season. So that's exciting. Yeah, we just got to see him put a few into the back of the net. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that kind of plays out through training camp and, and some of their preseason fixtures. So um, only one other piece of CPL news uh, that I'll mention here before we kind of wrap things up. Um there's been a lot of talk about the salary cap, Mitchell. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but uh, tell me about even... it, Josh. Yeah, man. Let's talk there's about there's the salary cap. I know it's so. See, for for 
nerds like me who like love going through rule books and like statistics and stuff like i love it but um can i just guess before you get into this base i'm just trying to refresh my memory from my most recent research a few months ago is the salary cap for the canadian premier league canadian premier league roster is it a is it like a million it's like 1.2 million is that the the yeah just precisely it's just it's just uh, a shade over a million So not very much money in the world of professional sports. If you think about it over a billion, did you just say a B? Uh, No million. million. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's like a, that's not even, that's a Premier League club. That's Chelsea. (laughs) Yeah. That's Chelsea right there. Uh, Not that it gets you much apparently, but Mm. um, anyways, yeah. So I've, I've got an article that's going to be coming out in the next few days. I just need to uh, dot some I's and cross some T's on some of the nuances of the Canadian Premier League salary cap. This kind of came out from, there's been a lot of conversations around the league about the cap's not real because Atletico keeps signing marquee players and, and no one can seem to figure out how they're able to have such a fantastic recruitment this year. So um, I endeavored to get the information mostly because the information isn't available anywhere else. Um, there's two manuals that kind of govern the, the rules and regulations of the Canadian Premier League. And there's some excerpts online, which is kind of helpful for understanding roster construction. But really, overall, like if you have any in-depth question whatsoever about like the maximum salary, just just as an example, and what actually counts towards the player's budgeted salary cap, it's not on the website. Can't find it anywhere. So I've taken it upon myself to <laughs> to try and dig that up, and and I'm going to report on sort of the like CPL salary cap for dummies. Uh, so that's going to be coming out. Uh, over the weekend, maybe into early next week, but uh, everyone should stay tuned because I think it'll be really interesting and, and add some nuance to you know sort of the discussions that have been going on around Ottawa's recruitment and and Forge previous to that. So uh, yeah, that's my like nerdy reporter wrinkle for for this episode. Well, I think that those kind of references and directories are are quite helpful for for people that are trying to understand the league that may have been following it for a few years that end up in these types of debates. But I feel like perhaps in Ottawa is is curbing the regulations. But you would think that if they that the people that are in the front office there that are that are that are making these decisions, they must understand the requirements of the league to be able to operate within the rules, right? Like I I, I wonder sometimes with some of these signings, I think I saw this mentioned somewhere amongst one of these debates online that like perhaps there's incentives that are included that make it there that make it worthwhile for a player to sign with a club but perhaps the they're not paid entirely under the umbrella of the of the salary cap you know i don't know if that would be um going against the rules it's like well you make this many appearances we pay you this much we obviously expect you to play that much anyway so we won't include that part in like your salary on paper but we know you're going to get that you know that's just speculation but obviously all of these hypotheticals and 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 you know pondering this or that will be explained in your in your piece i guess 100 clear man. it all and, up and, well that's that's it like it's just like people a lot of you know fans as as they should have been talking about it and that's great and like i think conversations around roster and cap construction are important frankly right it's like mls nerds love the nuances and just how friggin complex uh like the mls roster system is right so i think having the same information to be able to have intelligent conversations around the cpl will do will do a lot for the league and and you know just gives people that extra thing to talk about and consider um when when they're you know talking to their friends or or other supporters or chirping people online uh about the cpl and the clubs they love so uh, yeah, that'll come out next week and, and we'll be able to, I won't bore people with it now, but we'll be able to delve into it a little bit uh, just because there, there are some interesting things that I found already. And uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it'll be cool. Well, I think that producing something like that will do a great service to the the, the Canadian soccer community. I think that, that that will, yeah, I think that people will appreciate that very much. I know I will. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to, to reading that and uh, seeing what you ended up finding out i wonder when the canadian premier league is going to adopt the david beckham rule <laughs> when are we going to get the first designated player uh, buddy or is that manny asking apparitio? you you shall receive who knows right where is manny apparitio where is I don't he know. i i don't know but i think we're going to find out soon 
Do you don't have any scoops? I I don't know where he is right now, but I I can tell you, uh, you know, he continues to negotiate, right? It's the longest friggin' transfer saga in CPL history. Someone called it Mbappe-esque the other day. They should call him Manny Buchanan. (laughs) I love it, right? We've just been hearing about it for months. And, and, uh, yeah, so I... You know, not just myself, but uh, Josh Deming of One Soccer also reported this recently. His decisions come in the next few weeks, so it's sooner rather than later. But one thing to keep in mind is that the window for a potential MLS move, uh, his runway shortened. He's got until, I believe it's April 24th is when the window closes, if I remember correctly. Uh, The CPL window hasn't been updated on the site yet, uh, but it would be something similar as well. So he's got, you know... Uh, what's that? Seven weeks. He's got seven weeks to find a spot, or else, or else he'll be locked out for half the season from CPL and MLS. So uh, he's he's got to get moving. But like I said, I, I think we're going to hear sooner rather than later on that. So stay tuned for updates. Yeah, most definitely. Um, is there anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap this up? I was just looking at my notes from what I sent you because we were originally going to record this on Tuesday. Yep. Thursday right now. So there's there's some stuff that maybe I'll just do an insane quick just bit. I just like go super fast and just run off a bunch of important stuff that have happened over the last week for anyone that just lived under a rock and they only get their information <laughs> about Canadian soccer through listening to this podcast for some reason. And also, we, just, we love you if you are that person. I know. Well, I have we have to do our service to them. If so, do you want me to? Ju- I'm just gonna look at some of the stuff just that like I have. Mad Libs. Just yeah. Give her. <laughs> just go and see because the stuff. This is like. We're already probably been an hour in here, and I think we've had some very, very um, insightful, uh, candid conversations. But there's some stuff that I think is worth noting as well, like our um, our under-20 men's team has just uh, qualified for the CONCACAF under-20 championship that'll take place uh, the end of July to, to August in Mexico alongside 11 other CONCACAF nations. Um, so shout out to the, the young Canadians, the perhaps the next generation. They beat Dominica 8-0, 4-0 over St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And last night, 3-0 over Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, Miles Morgan, uh, TFC Academy product, who the commentator actually said at one point was with Brentford, but you can't find anything that suggests that anywhere at all online. So I don't think that that is true at all, but he scored four four goals. Uh, Tavio Ticciarelli, who's a Sheffield United under-18 player he scored a hat trick against St. Vincent of the Grenadines um we had Santiago Gomez who obviously could represent Mexico but uh is right now representing uh Canada's youth team so that's you know encouraging he was one of the best players of the tournament he had uh three goals throughout the tournament and there was also other you know strong performances Alessandro Biello uh Mauro Biello's son um I'm just really going off the top right now. But anyway, yeah, they yeah. qualified, and uh, if they make it to the semifinals of the tournament in the summer, they will qualify for the Under-20 World Cup that takes place in Chile. Um, and that'll be the first time Canada's Under-20 team has qualified for the World Cup since 2007, back when we hosted it. So it would be great to see see those boys make it to uh, be able to play on the world stage um, in the Under-20 realm. Um, so that's good. Uh, Canada's women's team as well. Um, won all three matches of the group stage of the CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup. They beat El Salvador 6-0, Paraguay 4-0, Costa Rica 3-0 last night. Um, and they're off to play Costa Rica again in the quarterfinals. That will take place this weekend. Um, and then a bunch of other stuff here. We have Canada that announced their preliminary roster for Trinidad and Tobago. Um, not the official roster, just a, uh, I think it was 57 players. Like, yeah, it was a big list. It was a massive list. Any any uh, player that you could pretty much think of at the top of your head is is on that list. Um, one notable um, player that wasn't on the list was Mohamed Farsi, who plays for the Columbus Crew, who's still kind of up in the air. Is he going to wait it out to see if he could represent Algeria, or is he going to eventually accept that, that call-up from Canada? He actually performed very well on the weekend for Columbus until he came off injured. He, he won them a penalty. Um, and he's, yeah, very explosive player. Seems to only be getting better. But wasn't on the preliminary roster, so he won't be called up for, for that window uh, against Trinidad and Tobago, that decisive match to determine who qualifies for Copa America on March 23rd. But uh, all the names that you'd expect are on there, so you go check that out. 
I uh, shared that on my on my account a few days ago. Um, stuff that we could get into perhaps on another episode. Obviously, Alfonso Davies reaching a quote verbal right. agreement with uh, Real Madrid. Him um, and Killian. <laughs> and, yeah, the whole the whole gang. Uh, Bellingham, uh, Vinny Junior. That's like you know that's a. I think uh, Oliver Platt, I think it was, who who said this, or maybe it was Adam Jenkins on One Soccer Today. I was listening to it earlier. It's kind of like a, an FC24 ultimate team. You know, it's like a, it's in real life. So, If I set the negotiations to, like, infant level, just easy as can be, yeah. <laughs> um, so that happened. Other, you know, this just more so Canadians overseas. Uh, you get Ugbo scored a brace for Sheffield Wednesday on on Saturday. I believe he now has five goals and four matches with his new side that he's only on loan with until the end of the season. Hopefully, they can use his uh, recent run of form to uh, to be able to avoid relegation to to League One for for twenty twenty four twenty five. Um, Stefan Estacchio returned to the starting eleven for for Porto on the weekend. Um, Alistair Johnson is, uh, fortunately he's back, back in business. He, uh, assisted the game winner for Celtic over, over the weekend as his side beat, uh, Theo Bear and Motherwell 3-1. And, uh, he grabbed another assist this week against Dundee and, uh, Tejan Buchanan got another 15 minutes for Inter over the weekend. And last weekend, because we didn't get a chance to record, I just thought we didn't get a chance to record. I just thought it'd be worth mentioning that Jonathan David did score a hat trick like many moons ago, two weekends ago. But, uh, yeah, that's the full-blown recap, baby. I feel like we covered everything under the sun now. I thought that was perfect. Thanks, man. 10 out of 10. Thanks, dude. Just reading uh, off my notes. Love, um, it, love it. Is there anything else, Wes? I will say, the last time that we recorded, my uh, Monday League team was in such a horrendous drought to the beginning of the, our winter campaign, the four yep. straight losses. Since then, two straight victories. Scored our first goal in franchise history. Led us to a 2-1 win, and we won 2-1 on Monday. So things are really looking up. Wait, you guys got – I must have missed that. I didn't realize you got skunked <laughs> four matches in a row. I didn't yes. know you had oh, to yeah. score a goal. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. But we've won uh, our last two. So things have changed. It's It's been a massive turnaround for the whole game. You're on the up and up. Yeah. Right. Do you guys have a uh, Club World Cup post post match, uh, Sally? Do you guys all go for DQ or something after? No, we should. I just get an Seriously? Uber back with a with a stranger. <laughs> it feels like there's a way to parlay a uh, ride back for you somewhere there. You know, I'll buy you ice cream. Also, I live just down the road. Who who knows? Yeah, ice cream should at, at least you know. I you know what I think our odds are looking pretty good for next Monday too. So we might be on the verge of, of three in a row. And I did play a random pickup match at the BMO Soccer Center uh, two Fridays ago, and scored two in that game too. So I think the Wanderers might have to give the boy a call. I'm back, baby. Whew. I'll let Patrice know uh, next time I'm at training. Hit him up. We'll get him on the show, and I'll we'll I can I'll corner him. Um, but. Uh, yeah, that's my fun fact. And uh, yeah, and you are you go, you was your birthday yesterday. Yeah, I How did you I, celebrate. I, honestly, it was pretty pretty relaxed, man. I uh, worked. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> and uh, helped out my partner. She recently had ankle surgery for a volleyball injury from like ten years ago, oh, wow. uh, which she had just been walking around on a broken ankle, and so we finally dealt with that. But otherwise, yeah. Just turned 32. Very exciting. Very casual nice. Uh, just hung out with friends and family last night. And uh, yeah, nothing nothing too exciting, but that's all right. That's a, you know, that that's the ideal birthday, I think. You know, I depends on what you're going for, but you're, you're, you're around the friends and the family and the, the partner. I mean, what else could you ask for? It's a good day. Yeah, I, I must say I was definitely spoiled. My, uh, so... For anyone who knows me at all, I am like the largest Francophile in the world. Just like French cuisine, I adore it. So they cooked me up a uh, a uh, proper feast. So we had a French onion soup to start, uh, pomme aligot, 
which is a fantastic dish. If you don't know what it is, look it up. It'll literally take away five years from your life just in the butter and cheese. But um, we also had some uh, nice nice steaks as well. Some some good uh, good wine was was had. So overall, yeah, it was a great night. I, I, I got my French fix. So that's all I'm going to ask for. Did you guys discuss uh, CPL transfer rumors over the, the dinner table? <laughs> you know what? We, we did not. They're, they're more of a sailing crowd, mostly my partner's family. Uh, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the pod before, but my her, her dad is an America's Cup winner and uh, Olympic Canadian sailor. What? Yeah, he's like the Sidney Crosby of sailing in, in Nova Scotia. He's uh, Andreas Josenhans. Look him up. What major plug? He's gonna be really grateful that we shouted him out on this podcast. He's gonna blow up his time. He is doesn't now. even know what podcasts are, man. I wouldn't <laughs> worry. I want to look him up now. I did not know that's a great fact. Yeah, he was recently inducted into the uh, Canadian Sailing Hall of Fame. Wow. Yeah, uh, we're gonna have to big hey, big dog hey, on the water. Yeah, big no dog doubt. on the water. He's a shark in the sea. Um, yeah, I, I'm good. We can uh, we can plug our our. Uh, our accounts and be on our merry way is that what we want to do yeah let's do it bud where can people find you sir they can find me downtown halifax no they can find me uh, (laughs) on on x at uh canadian soccer talk and that's at can f-u-t-b-o-l talk can football talk can it talk who knows um speaks many different languages and also if you want to follow my my personal account which i've been a little bit more active on lately it's at m bailey reporter Thank you. Love it. Love it. And for myself, you can follow me for my personal account on Twitter at Josh RJ Healy, H-E-A-L-E-Y. And you can also find me at Wanderers Notes and on my blog at wandersnotebook.ca. Very well. And there it uh, is. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll we'll be back. We'll be back in a few days. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to be back. It's good to be back. Take yeah. care, folks. See you. <laughs>